born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So anyway, take your uh, Bible now and look there in uh, verse 8. We get into a different story altogether. But as you go through this, you see, it's always about soul winning. Always about somebody trusting the Lord. This was the missionary journey that Paul had been on. So he goes to Ephesus, and he's there probably a total of maybe three years at that. We know he was at the school of Tyrannus for about two years. So Paul had a chance to teach in a Bible college. And when he taught in the Bible college, no doubt he had all those students. And it says that though in this period of time is when they shook Asia. And because I believe that he had students to send. I don't believe Paul went to every place. I believe that he had a school, and he taught in the school, and he was able to influence a lot of people. A Bible college is a wonderful thing to have when you can have it, and you can train others to do what needs to be done. So look in verse 8. And he went into the synagogue, spake boldly for the space of three months, and, as he says here, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, there's many who believe that up to this point, the Lord has never taught about the church, that it was all about the kingdom of God. And so now at this point, the kingdom is no longer offered to Israel. And so now, because it's Ephesus and uh, the revelation and the dispensational truths, been given to Paul, as it says in chapter 3 of, uh, of Ephesians. You have now a new beginning, and so this is where uh, ultra-dispensationalist begins. And they say now the preaching of the kingdom of God is, is over. Well, oh, there's several things. The kingdom of God is not just the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we live here in Tampa, Florida. Now, Tampa is in Florida. All of Tampa is in Florida, but not all of Florida is in Tampa. You have the kingdom of God that encompasses it all. And in the kingdom of God, you have the kingdom of heaven, the thousand-year reign upon the earth. Even when Christ was here, he says the kingdom of God is not far from you. In the book of Romans in chapter 14, it says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and joy and so forth in the Holy Ghost. So it's about righteousness and the righteousness that you and I need. So since the very beginning of the Great Commission, they were told to go into all the world. And it's all about soul winning. 
And every place, it's about they that believe. They that believe. And the apostles are not teaching about trying to set the kingdom up. So I don't believe that their theology is correct on that. No more than I believe in the uh, replacement theology, where, you know, the church is replacing all the promises that God made to the kingdom concerning Israel. No, I believe what God promised Israel, Israel will have. You and I are living at a very interesting time in history. Have you ever seen or ever known of all the enemies of one little bitty nation like Israel over there in the Middle East? And they cannot, with total assurance, look to America for their deliverance or their help. Because I wouldn't trust this present administration of doing the right thing. They might but I haven't given any reason why I would believe that they would. I would hope that America will back Israel to the hilt because I believe God will bless those who bless Israel and God will curse those who curse Israel. And I believe that's still true today, even though he said it 4,000 years ago. It don't matter. God's word is still true. And I believe it. And I believe we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That means we want the best for the land of Israel. You stop and think of all the things that have been going on around the world, even right here in America especially. I can't see how it can get much worse before Christ comes back. It seems like the, the tribulation period could start at any time, full-blown. It wouldn't take much to get it done. And whenever the world is going to be gathered against Israel... He said, when you shall see Jerusalem comes to bow with armies, know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And that's during the tribulation period. Look how close it must be. And yet, we would love to have peace in the Middle East. But as we're moving right along here, when we have the words kingdom of God, I believe that Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Or see the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is salvation. Entering into the kingdom of God by faith and faith alone. The period of time upon the earth when he sets up his kingdom is called the kingdom of heaven. So I believe it's a different period of time altogether. But anyway, as we're moving right along, look in verse 9. When divers were hardened and believed not. But spake evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. This would no doubt be a Bible college. And guess what he said? And this continued by the space of, and you ought to underline those two words, for two years. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So this had to be a very interesting, exciting time. And no doubt many people doing a lot of soul winning and spreading and going out. Now, in verse 11 begins a wonderful story about some great miracles done by the hand of the apostle. Didn't say everybody did this. In verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, what would make it so special? Well, it wasn't just that he could lay his hand on them, not just that he could speak, but they could just take a piece of cloth. Look at verse 12. So that from his body 
were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, buddy, that's power. I thought, Lord, you know, if you let me do that, just think how many more people I could win to the Lord. Wouldn't you like to have some special power? You know, maybe you could fly. You know, be the strongest man in the world. I told the kid, I said, how many of y'all think I'm the strongest man in the world? Anybody? You know, there's some kids you just can't impress. I don't care what it is. They're smart enough not to believe everything you say. But anyway, in verse 13, Jewish people in this wicked place, the sex goddess Diana lived here. Well, it was a, a place where they had a gigantic temple that was tall, 450-something feet and something like that, just a huge thing. So in verse 13, then certain of the vagabond Jews, that means they were itinerant, traveling around. And Jews, what would they do? They had a ministry of exorcism, you know, casting out demons out of people. So, and it says, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, they were phonies, phony balonies, but they could see what Paul was doing, and they wanted to do it. You know, there's always somebody wants to copy and imitate. So they said, in the name of Jesus, come out of there. So guess what happened? The spirit that was in the man that they were trying to cast out, you know. It doesn't say the spirit came out of the man and slapped him around. It says the man that they were in took on seven men. One man Took on seven. I even know his name. Chuck Norris. No, he wasn't. See there in verse 13. We adjure thee by Jesus whom Paul preached. The Jesus that Paul preached. So in verse 17. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priest, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Paul, oh, I know him. Who are you? I don't even know you. Verse 16, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. One man took on seven men and whooped the daylights out of them. Now, that shows you that an evil spirit has a lot of power. It also should let you know, you don't mess around with Ouija boards and seances. You don't mess around with anything that deals with this uh, sorcery and witchcraft or whether it's white magic or black magic. Stay away from the junk. Don't fool around with stuff like that. There is reality, and you don't know how much damage you're going to do and how bad it can get. You say, well, I just want to know. Don't you want to know? I don't have to mess with it because I don't go there. The best way to do it is just win people to the Lord, and it seems like it kind of takes care of itself. I was talking to Dr. Stanford. He went down to South America, and he had people that were all of a sudden sweet and nice, and he'd start talking about the Lord, and they become ugly, and he heard them speaking, other voices coming through their mouth, speaking to him, and saying all kind of nasty, evil things, and so forth, and Ray kept on until he had some of them that trusted Christ as their Savior. 
and it totally changed them. And some people could not believe it. Ray had stuff like this happen to him. I ain't never had that happen to me. I'm not looking for none to happen either. You say, why? It scared me to death. If it happens, fine, but I'm not looking for trouble. You want it? Good. Have all you want. But you leave that kind of stuff alone. I've got stories I could tell you, but it's not, it's not worth getting into. But look what he says there in uh, verse 15. I do like this part of the verse where he says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You know, I would like for the devil to know my name. Leave me alone, though. But I want the devil to know whose side I'm on. Now, the devil is not able to be everywhere at the same time. He has demons, but he's not omnipresent. You and I may not be worthy of his time. Did you ever think of that? You can't blame everything that happens on you. The devil made me do it. The devil probably ain't got time for you. You probably did it on your own. You have an old sinful nature just like the devil. Of course, he gets credit for a lot of stuff. Mama told her son, don't you go down to that lake. But Mama, I got to go down to the lake. Don't you go down to the lake. Mama, I just got to go down to the lake. If you go down there, don't you get in the water. Okay. She said, now, if the devil tempts you to jump in that water, you say, get behind me, devil. Yes, ma'am. Later, she went down to the lake. He's out there swimming, having a big time. She said, I told you not to get in this water. Mama, you said if the devil tempted me to tell the devil to get behind me, Satan. Mama, I did it. He pushed me in. <laughs> he pushed me in. Do you think the devil knows who you are? Are you that big of a bother? Look what he says in verse 16. And the men in whom the evil spirit was leaped on him and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And verse 17 down to verse 19. Uh, these kind of um, involves in the occult. People that are involved in these things. God says, let these things like this alone. You just keep preaching the gospel and let God deal with these things. But because of what they saw, what they knew, what they heard, no doubt many of these people that were following this magicians and sorcerers and so forth, these exorcists that were traveling around as itinerant preachers, no doubt, many of them saw and heard and believed on the Lord. And when they heard and believed on the Lord, they took all of their books and stuff and brought it together and they had a nice little bonfire. See what it says in verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Did you know I don't believe the Apostle Paul planned everything that happened. I believe most of the things that happened in Paul's life was not the result of any of his planning. I believe he just did what God wanted him to do, told him to do. And as he went, he had all these experiences that God brought up. He dealt with it as it happened. You and I 
God does not tell us what's going to happen tomorrow. But when tomorrow comes, deal with it as it happens. Talk to people as they come. Help people and pray for people. Go to the hospital, the neighbor, whatever it is, as it happens, and God will take care of all the rest of it. You see, you don't have to plan your life. All you need to do as God wills. Whatever the Lord wants. I'm just going to live my life and do right and obey what God's told me to do and let the Lord lay it out as it comes, as it happens. You see, Paul didn't make these people do what they did, but it became an opportunity. Almost all these cases of problems were opportunities. Another opportunity, another opportunity. You say, I wish I had some opportunities. You have them. You're just not taking advantage of them. So he says here in verse 18, many, get this, that believed. Many that believed. You know, it seems like that's always the issue. Some people, I think, can read all these scriptures and the words many believed or they believe. They never see those. And they can teach all the stuff about the Bible, but they never talk about soul winning the talking to somebody about the Lord and somebody believing it. You know, nobody can believe the gospel if they don't hear the gospel. Because he said, how can they believe in, in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach without they be sent? Where is that found? Romans chapter 10. You knew I was going to say that, so. But look at verse 19. Many... Of them also which use curious arts, brought their books together, and get to burn them before all men. And they counted the price of them, and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. But they had a revival. The Lord was working in this place. You know, that, that sounds like a lot of money. 50,000 pieces of silver? Wouldn't you like to have some of that today? 50,000 pieces of silver. I wonder how much one piece weighed. I wonder what it would be worth. And that was the value of the books, of the stuff that they had. So don't you see that where Paul went, it was either a revival or revolt. There are four more against him. So look in verse 20. You ought to underline verse 20. So mightily, mightily, as it says here, grew the word of God and prevailed. In other words, they were conquering. They were winning. And as you read the book of Ephesians, you'll find out in this book is a very strong spiritual book, a book to faithful. Take your Bible and look there in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, in chapter 1. In chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, because this is the letter that was written to them later. We know when Paul was in prison. And where we are right now is probably the last place that Paul was able to preach like he was doing there as a free man. Because not long after this, Paul had a lot of problems. He's going to Rome He's going to Rome, all right. But see there in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, chapter 1, verse 1, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and get this, to the faithful. And then look in verse 3. 
Blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. And then you have talking about the church there in chapter 1 and verse 22 and 23, how that this is the body of Christ. And as you go through and talk about, you ever heard of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? This is, this is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I guess those are probably close to two of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have really, I've just about worn out. Well, you can't wear them out. But these verses are awesome. Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And as you go through here, take a quick peek at chapter 3. See, Paul was there long enough to teach, to build, to strengthen, and this became a great church. But notice, this is why many believe in altar dispensation, because they believe these great truths given to Paul, and Paul gave them to the church. And so therefore, a mystery was a truth hidden in times past, but now revealed for the first time. And so they don't believe that the church began at Pentecost. But you see, what about all these other places where the church at Thessalonica and the church at Corinth? Well, Paul started all of those. And that was before chapter 19, the church at Ephesus. Were they not churches? Yes. Well, they were started before that time in chapter 19. So that's why I can't believe what they're saying. But just so that you know, look there in verse 3. How that by revelation... He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel." Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now look in verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So since these words are found in the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, they believe this is when it began. It doesn't say this is when he got the knowledge. This is when he wrote about the knowledge. God had already given it to him. So he could have known this way before. So even though... I believe God has a reason for why he does what he does and why the book of Acts is laid out like it is. The book of John, the Bible says that there are many things that happen that are not recorded. He said they would fill all the libraries. But he says this is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Throughout the book of Acts, there's probably a multitude of stories that we'll never hear about till we get to heaven. But the ones that are written, I believe, are written to encourage us. To let us know what 
the will of God is. When he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, this is what he's talking about. And if you was to do that, what can you expect? You read the book of Acts and you can see what you can expect. Everything's wonderful. Everybody's going to love you. World just can't wait for you to show up. And you'll find out the struggles that you went through. The hardship. The beatings that he had. All the things. But he had been given a divine command. And he was not going to allow the world to stop him. Except by death. Now where are you and I? We have trusted Christ as our Savior. We're God's children. And you'd be surprised how easily we get hurt or offended by something or somebody. And we quit over peanuts. Nothing that amounts to anything at all. I'm sure God is a little upset with us sometimes. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. And if you're watching by internet tonight, I want you to know more than anything else that we've said, that God says that he loves you. Now, he hates what we do wrong, but he does love us. And the Bible says for us to pay for what we have done wrong is eternal separation from God in hell. But to go to heaven, you and I have to be perfect. And since we're not perfect, the problem is, what are we going to do about it? You've got to be perfect to go to heaven, and we're not perfect. I like a statement that James says he told somebody the other day. He says, I don't have to do anything to go to heaven except be perfect. He says, and I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because you have to be perfect to go there. And I don't have to do anything except just be perfect. And that's why I'm going to heaven. I think he blew the kid's mind. And yes, you do have to be perfect to go to heaven. And yet there's nothing that you can do. God says you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't buy your way there. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all of our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said, if you and I, if we would believe that Christ did this for us, that he paid for our sins, it means that you won't have to. Do you believe he paid for your sins? It means you don't have to go to hell and pay for them. If he paid for all of them, it means that I don't have to pay any of them. I get to go to heaven on what Christ did for me. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. That is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe Christ died and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust him and him alone as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, God said, if you would do that, just that much. That's all he asked is, will you believe he did it for you? And if you'll believe that, he'll give you as a free gift everlasting life. You go to heaven on what he did. You didn't earn it. He did. You didn't buy it. He did. He did all the work. You don't have to do anything except except the payment he made for you. Is there anyone at all who say, yes, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior and preach. I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? If you're watching by Internet, there's nothing that you have to do. Just in your own mind, believe it. 
He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. God said he'll never cast you out and never lose you. Father, we thank you so much for this time together, for the opportunity you've given us to read and to study your word. And we trust, Lord, that as we cover these things, that you can take these scriptures and apply them to different individuals. You know what each one needs. But we know that your word does not return void, that it will accomplish that which you have purposed. Bless each one now in Christ's name. Amen. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.